0: Listening to another episode of the Niagara Moon Podcast. As always, I'm Thomas Irwin, and we're talking about the Beatles today. Maybe you've heard of them. I'm talking about the Beatles Revolver with uh, Dan Barracuda, another amazing musician. Uh, The two of us, just the two of us, had not gotten together in quite a while uh, to do one of these, and uh, you know, it was a matter of time before we really dug into the Beatles. I was the one who who chose to talk about Revolver, and it's this interesting kind of thing where this band's been talked to death for decades. You know, everybody knows every little thing about them. They've certainly <laughs> been uh, as commercially successful as it's possible to be. Uh, they've gotten a lot, a lot of hype over the years. You know, everybody's a fan, or they're a contrarian who says they don't like them at all. But, you know, it's this idea of, are they worth giving a bunch of time to at this point? Do they really need to uh, have their praises sung? But you know what? They're just so damn good. They're so influential. How could you not? Pay pay credit where credit's due. Uh, so if you want to indulge myself and Dan Barracuda now, we're going to really dig in depth into one of the uh, most exciting albums from the band's career. Let's do it. Three, four, <laughs> one, two. Well, hello, Mr. Dan Barracuda. It's been a little while. Hey! It's been a while. It's been a while. How you been doing these these past
1: few days, past few weeks? It's good, man. It's going good. I'm really enjoying 2021 so far. Uh, it feels like the city is opening up, and uh, a lot more opportunities going on, projects, boiling and broiling. And uh, I'm excited for my next few singles, and yeah, it's, it's good. It's, it's it's really good. It's a busy year. Can't wait to see some friends this summer oh. too. I'm, I think I'm pre- pre- prepping for a really good summer.
0: I think this is going to be a pretty pretty eventful summer. I mean, provided yeah. everybody gets properly vaccinated and, and nothing screwy or unexpected you know would, happens. You know what would make it an incredible incredible
1: summer? If like concerts actually started, like bands like came out.
0: Oh, like, yeah. I don't outdoor stuff. Well, yeah, I think outdoor stuff is might be in the works here and there, but um, yeah, but yeah, it's it's going to be a gradual recovery process yeah. i mean it's going to be pretty weird coming back from i mean if you were somebody who was super cautious and you know pretty isolated for the past year year and a half it's going to be a pretty surreal experience finally yeah kind of coming out of your shell as the year goes on uh yes. it's going to be quite a sea change not unlike this album we're talking about today Ooh, nice segue revolutionary uh yeah why the, is it called revolver it was going to be called a lot of different things uh some of them pretty goofy ideas like, Ring, like what? ringo's suggestion after geography which was a play on the rolling stones aftermath uh no. they were gonna <laughs> they were gonna call that. it Abra- they were gonna call it abracadabra supposedly until they realized that title was taken that would have been kind of lame
1: that would have been lame as hell.
0: So some other ideas uh, included John Lennon's suggestion of four sides to the circle in response to McCartney's idea of magic circle. Uh, I see what they're going for, but they both you know, neither of those are, are quite as good as Revolver. Uh, somebody else I somebody suggested pendulum. I think pendulum's kind of cool. It could have been pendulum.
1: That would have been crazy. So progressive.
0: Uh <laughs> and then you had bubble and squeak that's uh that's a no for me beetles on safari (laughs) that's also pretty rough
1: wow that's just but i mean
0: that's kind of the the trend they were on up until this point like beetles for sale well what's what's rubber soul come from that i don't know either i didn't uh do that much extensive research That's i I'm sweet also, name. i realized i was kind of getting prepped for this week i don't know a ton of beatles trivia i mean i i kind of do like i read jeff emmerich's book which is mm-hmm. probably my first suggestion to anybody who really wants to read up or become knowledgeable on like this period of beatles history and all the groundbreaking stuff they did with music i think i think uh the engineer jeff emmerich Coming at this through through his eyes and his recollections is uh, was pretty cool, you know, because he was there. He was extensively involved in.
1: He was really young too. He, he was nineteen years
0: old when he started with them. Wow. Yeah, and Revolver was his first album with them. Uh, you could make the argument that that gives uh, this album a lot of its uh, newness and its its punch is the introduction of of him into the mix and Jeff Emmerich's. Uh, groundbreaking recording techniques. I mean all that is super well documented but Now
1: was he groundbreaking because the Beatles like because like how they would direct and be like I wanted to do I wanted to like you
0: know or was he just like a prodigy and he was groundbreaking? I don't think he had proved himself yet. He just he had, I mean he paid his dues a little bit and he, he got into the EMI system obviously very young, but it's I think everybody was discovering things together the Beatles wanted all these crazy new sounds and experimental approaches at the same time as they had this guy Emmerich coming in who just wanted to do a good job and learn and give them what they wanted and it was this symbiotic relationship um where you had an artists who were willing to break new ground and try things out, and then an engineer who's like, "Yep, I'm right there with you. I'll great
1: synergy. I'll yeah. put
0: the mic. I'll put the mic way closer to the bass drum than you're quote unquote like supposed to, and get a whole new sound that everybody eventually wanted to copy from them. So in that book,
1: he really like nerds out, and it's like really good for like engineering book. I got to read. Yeah,
0: it. well, you would love it. Yeah, he, he goes into detail about his recording techniques. um... And just how the collaborative process works, and who asked for what, when, for what song, and and uh, just kind of the play by play, especially with the songs like "Yellow Submarine," and they dig into all the crazy, unheard of,
1: eh-oh, eh-oh, yeah, eh-oh, the things they eh-oh. did. You know, all
0: the the uses of <laughs> samples and John Lennon in the Echo Chamber yelling "In All Yellow," like all that stuff is just they had never done stuff like that before, and it was all coming at once. Um, Man, I got to read that book. What was the book called? I forget. Just look up Jeff Emmerich. Just book. look up Jeff Emmerich yeah, book. I forget what the. I'm really bad with remembering titles. Uh, and then you kind of get the idea, like you know George Martin. Everybody talks about George Martin, the Fifth Beatle, and he's the one who could yeah. translate their ideas into reality. Um, and I'm sure he's hugely important still in, in so many of these songs into the Beatles legacy, but. At least, of course, from Jeff Emmerich, you know one of the other guys in the room who wants to tell you how important he was. Uh, you get the idea. George Martin isn't always like the guy or the reason you get so many crazy new sounds and ideas coming. You know, it's. Wow. I think this is also a period where uh, their relationship, the the Beatles' relationship with George Martin, that's really going through some changes. Like the dynamic is totally changing up as as. The four lads uh are becoming more involved and more opinionated about how they want the songs to be produced and how they want the recordings to sound. And the right. old, the final sound of the recording kind of influences the song. There's no more like, well, we wrote the song and then after that is done, then we record it. It's all becoming one gooey, like wow. cohesive Project. thing. Yeah. Um, so it, it's this album is full of change and revolution really and and innovation and you know once upon a time i chuckle a little bit at people who are like yeah everybody talks about sergeant peppers but revolver man that's where it's really going on and okay contrarian but it's i totally see the argument for revolver being like the first and most Like cohesive best example first of them of studio magic of the Beatles becoming the Beatles that we've remembered in history and like securing the legacy as
1: musicians as musicians yeah
0: as musicians and just experimental pop stars. This is like the birth of experimental pop. Really, I mean, even compared to Rubber Soul.
1: Well, I've always thought that you know they've had a lot of creative leaps, and I think that the biggest one, the single biggest leap, is. Rubber Soul to Tomorrow Never Knows. Because Tomorrow Never Knows is the first song they did. Which is insane.
0: And Jeff Emmerich's first song that he engineered for them. That's ridiculous, okay? (laughs)
1: Because that's one of my favorite Beatles songs, Tomorrow Never Knows. But Rubber Soul to Tomorrow Never Knows is the biggest Beatles creative jump I know. That's, that's, That's wild. I don't know
0: how you go to that. There's a lot of magic about this album. But that's really just the most obvious example. Is that particular song "Tomorrow Never Knows" and all the different groundbreaking innovations for pop music, at least, that are coming all at once between the lyrical subject matter and you know Lennon's voice halfway through going to that Leslie speaker feedback. That's iconic. So much of even just this one song is iconic, and then the, the seagull voices while he's telling you to relax. <laughs>
1: Reverse electric guitar, the, the That's like incredible, the,
0: the looped drum beat. You see how uh, groups like the Chemical Brothers, or uh, you know Oasis, that they're more pretentious. Uh, they're they're pointing to this song as like the blueprint for you know what can, what what could next be possible. Yeah, in in psychedelic music. Um, I just wonder how it was received right away. Like, what did people think of tomorrow? I mean, they put it at the
1: very end. That was pretty smart. <laughs> They put it at the very, very end of the album. Track 14. Yeah. Uh,
0: I mean, obviously, this album sold like nobody's business. And I'm sure they lost some fans that were more into just the teeny bopper. Oh, cute guys singing about love. Like, they, they lost some of that teenage girl audience, what maybe. What song
1: is the most, like, early Beatles in Revolver? Oh, I don't. Like
0: he, I don't think you really have it. But I know. I think got, got to get one. you into my life feels I've like the most innocuous. Like that's just uh, Paul trying to be Stevie Wonder. That's just them. Well, sh- you know, he's talking about weed in that song. Yeah, yeah. But it's I you'd never that, know that though. until he tells you. Really. That, right. That's the yeah, one that's, that's the most just. Uh, hey, we like Motown. We want to try to do Motown.
1: You know. I know John Lennon. I think in the Playboy interview that he gave in 1980 before he died was. Uh, he said that when he was going they were like you know throwing song names at him and he was just giving his like initial reaction or something to each song. And to that song, "Got Against You Into My Life, he was like, That song was like after that I was like, Paul can write a song. Hmm. Like he's like that he's like, Paul can really write a song. Like, he really liked that one. And obviously here and there, here there and everywhere is I think he thinks that it was Paul's best
0: or one yeah, of his best. Yeah, uh I think, you know. Paul, in one of his many thousands of interviews uh, when he gave recently, he talks about how uh, here, there, and everywhere, that's the one where Lennon made a point of complimenting him.
1: Complimenting him, yeah.
0: Yeah, like, oh, you got a good one there. Um, Yeah, yeah, I mean, obviously, everybody's on fire with this thing. Everyone's on fire. This is the album where they still are generally getting along, and it's really, really collaborative, and... Everybody's having their moments and shining. This is really just this, the cleanest, clearest example of that. Every, every member, every component of this—it's. Uh, I mean, I'd say it's lightning in a bottle, but it's one of the the five, six examples of lightning in a bottle from this one, band.
1: One, two, three, four, one. Yeah. Two. <laughs> I mean, great intro. The intro, the... I'm just looking at the track list. They're really admiring, like, the order of tracks. Yeah. That was really ballsy to put Elmer Rigby second.
0: And they released it as one of the A-sides. When was Rain slash Paperback Rider? Those songs are from these sessions. They just released them separately as singles. They were recorded as part of the Revolver sessions, like in 66. Oh, really? Rain? Yep, "Rain" and "Paperback Writer" are from the same sessions. They just didn't make it onto the album. How uh, how many times do you think you've heard this album? Uh, I don't know, dude. O- over like three hundred. <laughs> I was debating even uh, if I was going to listen back to it or not for this week because it's like this is one That's of
1: it's the- so ingrained in my noggin. Right.
0: It's just I listened to it over and over and over as it you know when I was younger. Like it was one of the few CDs I had as a kid. So I'm always, nowadays, you know, so many years later, I'm like, is this album and these songs, is it really as important and flawless as uh, everybody will often say it is? I mean, you have the the contrarians who say they don't like the Beatles, but it's like, is this music really so infallible? Or is that kind of just like, I got inducted to it from an early age, so I... I, you know, I don't know it's any better, but it really, I, upon re-listening to it, it's like, yeah, so much of this is still, like, undeniable. You can't deny the color <laughs> and the
1: difference in, in worlds amongst track-to-track. Yeah. Like, Taxman and Eleanor Rigby are in different planets Yeah, of emotion and sound right. and
0: just... But still clearly the same band somehow. It It's not all over the place in a derogatory way it's like this unfolding crazy exciting story
1: right not a derogatory way and just say like, yes yeah just like in like an expert <laughs> mature kind of finesse mus- musicality man finesse of musicality to i'm only sleeping oh my god and then love you
0: too what a uh, my god that's the that's the first indian song Essentially, yeah. It's really, I mean, even compared to Within You, Without You, I feel like it, it has the most, it, it, it's, it's got more energy to it. And I still like Within You, Without You, but Love You Me Too is too. just full on to, to my ears. Like, okay, this is Raga now. Like we're. I
1: want to know how they got the, I'll make love to you. Right, what instrument that is. You. Yeah, it yeah. sounds
0: so cool. Haven't you used an instrument like that in one of your songs? In Dan, Dan Barracuda? Not a <laughs> ram. <laughs> yeah, that buzzing. Somebody called it like it, it might sounds a like a end. chainsaw taken down a tree in Vermont or something. Oh, Tony Visconti might have said that. that.
1: And then Here, There and Everywhere, like they're probably that's probably like all their favorite songs on the album. Like their favorite song on the album. Just like
0: how like everyone cohesively thought something was the best off Abbey Road. Here, There and Everywhere is obviously impeccable songwriting, but I don't enjoy listening to it as much as some of the other. Like when I turn a Revolver, I want to hear that that crisp, sharp, crazy experimentation that they're starting here, there, and everywhere. It could have been on Rubber Soul. It could even have been on. I, I probably it probably could
1: have been on Rubber Soul. Yeah, I love here, there, and everywhere.
0: I mean, it's it's such just a beautifully, impeccably written like love song, but it's like I, I want the the edge. I want like the, the crazy whimsicality. That some of these other songs offer. Well, my favorite song,
1: what's your favorite song on the album? I, for mine, like she said she said it was like in my top yeah. like, three for a while. Yeah, long that term. one is
0: a really, really fun guitar rock song. I don't think I mean that's impossible to say I have a favorite, because I mean, we're talking about Revolver. But um, when I was listening back recently, the ones that I was really bopping along to, as if I hadn't heard them a million times, listening to it on autopilot as if i was still a you know a kid like the the ones that still hooked me in a in a really fresh way taxman and every component of that song from like the edgy subject matter of the lyrics and and kind of the dark humor of that yeah. and then the, the baseline and the guitar solo and oh the, my God, the, the, the innovative baseline. uh vocal harmonies i mean Man really shined uh love you too is always a trippy listen she said she said uh the drumming on that of course uh yeah um
1: they put a fuck ton of compression on the symbols on she said yeah. she said and that's what makes it go like
0: yeah and again that's just one of the millions of things that appears on this record that people had never really done before in pop music that that kind of sound and, and squ- squashing the symbols like that for effect uh right Andrew Burke can sing. Yeah, the classic. And it's so to its benefit that all these songs are so short and concise. I Just know. every step of the way. That's a huge influence on me
1: too, man. Like, I love Tool and stuff, but like, I don't, I, like, I love long songs. But because of the Beatles, they, they're such a big influence on me. I always, like, strive to make things, like, pretty concise. And I, I, I strive for, like, three and a half, four. I know they do, like, two and a half, three, <laughs> but minutes like i strive for like three and a half and, and four minutes i like con- i like how concise they are they don't like they don't have too long of intros they don't like drag things out they end it or they'll, they'll fade out and when it's appropriate like some like it's weird fade outs back then were like kind of abrupt like you can kind of hear it in like um like good day sunshine it just kind of like ends oh i love, like, I love good the end. good day sun- yeah. good day good day sunshine I love when they good- do that, it just yeah. kind of ends I mean, it I works. want to tell you has a sweet ending.
0: Yeah, with the melisma that Paul McCartney injects at the very end. Oh uh, so it's like what Paul? Like you can do that too. Like
1: man, now he was amazing in the studio. I heard that Paul, like he was really good at communicating to the engineers, way more, way better than John was. Right, in like a, like, like a nice, more clear way. He was a diplomat, but he also had,
0: like, the vocab. Like, he, like, understood things better. (laughs) He was the most, like, musically learned. Yeah. He just, he had the, probably the greatest, like, academic appreciation and understanding of of how different music worked and could translate and express ideas uh, in a a clearer way. Lennon talked in riddles, kind of make me sound like I'm the Dalai Lama singing from the mountaintop or whatever. Yeah, I want it to
1: sound orange. I want it to yeah. sound orange.
0: Paul could give you some more concrete things to work with, but then, of course, that's the famous pairing that works so well. Is yeah. when Lennon is on and and he works, it's you know there there's a innovation and just an otherworldly exciting element to his songs that you don't hit quite as often with McCartney contributions. Because, you know, McCartney's the guy singing Good Day Sunshine uh, here, there, and everywhere. You know, there's still this nod to music tradition and keeping things sort of like, uh, you know, neatly tied up. It's, it's, yep. it's very, uh, you know, it's, it's more polite. Yeah. Just a classic I'm songwriting. Just, and to... then Lennon's going to come in with uh, Turn Off Your Mind, Relax, and Float Downstream. And then, and it's that parent, you kill, know it's Paul that kills pairing. it in this album. Well, th- this is, uh, people point to this album again as, as when the influence and weight of all three songwriters really starts to bounce out. Like, John isn't the main guy as much anymore. He, he has more songs on this than that's crazy. Yeah, but Paul was pretty much even with him by this point.
1: And in Sgt. Pepper, I think Harrison only has one. Is it just within you with that,
0: yeah, and he barely even got that one on there. He was pretty disinterested in in working with him by that point, uh wow. and his his contribution before that was only a northern song, and they're like,, mm, let's push up the standards here a little bit, although i, I do like only a northern song, but it's mm-hmm. it's a little messy um I know your least favorite song on the revolver, oh, what's I'm that Dr. Robert, yeah, oh, you remember well, <laughs> yeah, I don't uh. It's just only against all these other songs, and it, for whatever reason, that was one of my favorites as a kid. I just like the the boppy rhythm of it. I thought it was really fun. But yeah, it's you know, it's just a song about a a, a doctor feel good in New York City, you know, guy who'd Dr. who'd give out Feelgood. who'd give out a uh, acid, no, and and injections to uh, high class patients. Yeah, I don't know. It just it's like that's one of the songs where okay, that's the entire scope of what you're doing you're singing about this this drug guy and it's really it's not going anywhere beyond that there's like less mystery there and the the melody's yeah. kind of some yeah i don't know you know it's this album is 55 years old oh my god um what do you think of the fact we're talking about an album that's 55 years old like if it, if we, I we were
1: think it's like amazing if we were
0: talking about music say if it was 1970 that's like we'd be talking about an album from 1915 uh it's so why why are we still here so many 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 years later and so many people are still so into this album and talking about this album
1: it's because the songs are just so great and the sounds are just so great and it's revolutionary and it's experimental and it's incredibly well
0: performed and the spirit it's so full of spirit and music from the past 50 years after is isn't the same way is there there's something so unique about this
1: i think the cultural impact too you know like they were just they did it like the, all eyes were on them and they grew
0: before everybody yeah. Like before us all, like before our eyes, like before our eyes. Yeah, that whole phenomenon is pretty weird that they. It's so crazy. They weren't just a boy band.
1: Like, it'd, it'd be like if, like, the whole world is watching the Backstreet Boys, like, and they were, right? At, like, 1999, whatever, 2000. Yeah. And then they released, like, this, like, psychedelic and it's, like, amazing music. But that, that's not the case with the Backstreet Boys. But, right. like, that happened to the Beatles. They were, like, this boy band that all the girls loved, the guys loved, and they were, like, really good looking and they sang so well and they were, like, great songs. And then, like, they just grew, and they you know, they, they were amazing people, <laughs> and they just made such psychedelic,
0: incredible music, and they really grew, and they grew together. So, uh, assuming we haven't really seen that since, why have we not seen that since? I feel
1: like they, they grew, I don't know, they just, all eyes were on them. Like, they had all the attention, and they took it in such amazing places. And other people, like, are known for a sound, and they
0: stick to that sound. Right, they did uh have the like singular focus and attention of America by like sixty four uh in a way yeah. i don't I think was pretty frightening, <laughs> really, if you were on the ground like
1: and the lyrical matter was a big element too, right It was all just love songs, and then now you got like you're talking about like death and dying and taxes, yeah. and i'm I'm being lazy and sleeping yeah, like she's yeah. to like dream like psychedelic drugs like you're talking about like a doctor given drugs <laughs> really sad songs like yeah break up songs spiritual yeah. spiritual songs like you know
0: yeah and in 1966 which if you look at all the other artists out there something really seemed to be cooking in this year in particular uh like imagine if the
1: backstreet boys started singing about like spirituality and like drugs <laughs> And like you know, well,
0: they would if the Backstreet Boys did that. Everybody would point to them and be like, "Oh, you're just trying to ape what the Beatles did." Like, who are yeah. you to try to? Ins- how many that did the Backstreet Boys write their songs? They probably, I don't know anything no, about them. No, but no, so no, it's no, no, I don't think, I don't think they did.
1: And that's another thing. They were just such amazing musicians, the right? Beatles. Like they, the Backstreet Boys didn't like play guitar and bass and drums. They just sang. They were like corporately made, you know. But like, <laughs> I love what we're talking about the Backstreet. Boys i just mean like they were boy band you know that's why we're talking about it. Right, Like the beatles right. were like a boy band but they were musicians
0: and they played eight hours a day for yeah. years and and the time wow. they came up in you know just in the wake of like the kennedy assassination and a particularly kind of tumultuous and a revolution period of american culture yeah and then these guys were just hitting the mark right with them
1: they were hitting and, the mark
0: uh the use of recreational drugs kind of becoming a, a huge uh cultural component and a perfect storm and they they met that timing just in such an uncanny way and it's like uh nowadays there's so many more things that would compete with a fan's attention but like video games are are at this point i think so much more relevant and and taking up people's attention than like a band of four dudes Playing instruments If uh, the Beatles came about now It'd be like there's so many other millions of things It'd be like be, okay Right like uh, between the Marvel Universe And uh, like there, there's DC. so many Different avenues for people to Be fans and get excited And just like focus their attention Besides rock music Because it's I, I'm just I'm trying to piece together Why it, it just happened so intensely This one time in this one period I just can't believe like there was a there was once a time where like Strawberry Fields Forever was on the radio,
1: <laughs> like a, like the biggest thing on the
0: radio, <laughs> right? Like it's well, you mean as a new song? Like this is what pop music is doing now?
1: Yeah, now we got like Ariana Grande and like Cardi B, and like that's what's on the radio playing all the time.
0: And it's also like, who's listening to the radio anymore? I mean, is that if you're someone who's like getting into music and interested in music, are you just Going to the FMA. Well, not
1: even just radio, just top forty. Like, yeah, if you go to a store, if you go to a bar, like that, they're like, or us, you know, like on the mall, like yeah. they're like, it's like the songs that you hear all the time when you're in like Target or whatever. Like, I don't know, man. I wonder if Strawberry Fields Forever was playing in stores. <laughs>
0: well, I mean, that's also you're, the like, thing. Shopping. Is it's it's not none of the none of those songs are they're not breaking ground now like i said it's 55 years after the fact they're super super famous well-selling songs like they're they're safe now you know you could play uh most of the beatles catalog in stores and i don't think it would really raise any eyebrows so i wonder when that time came that it you know the, the the uh edginess or the shock of any of this wore off like when you could point to like okay people just sort of take it for granted now yeah it's just
1: super not like I want to hold your hand. You're literally like, let me take you down because yeah. I'm going to. Like, nothing is real. <laughs> yeah. Didn't they record Strawberry Fields right after Revolver? Wasn't that like, uh, wasn't Strawberry Fields and Penny Lane the, one of the first songs they were, like, what was the first song recorded in Sgt. Pepper sessions?
0: Again, you're asking me more stuff I didn't uh, prepare <laughs> to research, but I, I, you know, it was within a year. Yeah, they, And this
1: is when, oh, they were still touring when they were...
0: Barely. They, they were on any their, any last, their last legs of, of being a touring entity because... Last month, I Between think. John's comment about how they were bigger than Je- Jesus, which super got... Uh, was that
1: 66, 65?
0: That was 66 he said that. And uh, that caused him a lot of trouble and everybody really misinterpreted what he, what he was saying there. I think I, it's interesting how he doesn't have a song about that. Why would you want to write a song about that? How about his experience? I don't know.
1: Like he's like writing about a doctor like selling drugs. <laughs> like why can't he write? like that was a really big experience to him that whole like the whole world like not the whole world but like he really a lot got of people turned on him. That.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe uh his songwriting was escape from that. You know, you're if you're in a group like this in a time like this, that's an unbelievable amount of pressure and there's a lot of scary things out there uh if you're not careful. You know, just you you can't go outside. You can't leave the hotel. His apology press conference? That was crazy. It's crazy to watch. You can't can't walk down the street. People are trying to tear at your hair and your clothes. I mean, you probably turn to uh, working in the studio and writing songs as an escape from all that the best you can. I don't know what, you know.
1: uh, You're making me think of uh, I'm Only Sleeping. You're making me think of I'm Only Sleeping. He's like, look,
0: I'm just myself. Right. I think that song's about depression. Wouldn't it be? Like I'm yeah, too physi- yeah. I'm too physically lazy to be bothered with anything except sex. Yeah, that song's amazing. Yeah, that there there's that's a weird one. I, that's one of the. I mean, it still totally fits into the album, but it is one of the standouts for me. Like the way the acoustic guitar sounds and oh that yeah, back, that backwards guitar, the crazy stuff Harrison did for and that. Dude,
1: they're are such brilliant singers. Like who comes up with the ooh woo, yeah, like the sounding like an alarm clock, yeah. like. The harmonies, such, like who who is that George Martin? Is that is that Paul? Like who comes up with?
0: If you really listen to here, there, and everywhere, there
1: are vocal the vocals yeah. going on in that
0: song. It's like I, I think a lot of the the insertion of those those really cool vocal harmonies. I'd be inclined to think a lot of that is McCartney. I really like Yellow Submarine. I was surprised by just how much I fondly feel about that song, and yeah. I feel like it's one of it's like the heart of the album almost. I skip that one. I I do skip that one a lot. I
1: play, I played huh. it so. Dude, I, I worked at a at an enrichment center okay. for kids for seven years. I played that song a lot. I'm like I'm I'm all set with that song. But I love the way it sounds.
0: Yeah, it's it's like if you have sort of a hacky cover of it, it quickly loses any of its appeal. You know, it's yeah, it's just a goofy kind of surreal. It's like a children's storybook put into song, but it's just Ringo's vocals and all the sound effects that happen where they happen and it tells such a like lovely fantastical story and it, there i've had this weird thing with my brain now this weird thing happens where when they sing we all live in a yellow submarine i hear ringo's harmony more than i hear the main vocal so i don't hear we all live in a yellow submarine i hear we all live in a yellow submarine Yeah, that's I love that harmony. So I didn't notice that until like ten years into listening to the song, and that's like what my brain focuses in now. And he goes, Yellow submarine. Like the things that stuck out to me listening to this album as a kid and like what I like hone in on now is weird how they're they're pretty different. Like I I notice details in a different way. It's pretty surreal.
1: For no one is beautiful. That's like I, I had um I had a guitar student. Man, this guy, this guy's is amazing. He's actually a judge, and uh, he's a massive Beatles fan. And do oftentimes our guitar lessons,
0: a judge like uh, order in the yes, court, like a you, judge that kind of judge. Oh, yeah. Okay,
1: and um, super amazing guy. And he's a massive, massive Beatles fan. And sometimes our guitar lessons would just turn into just talking about the Beatles for an hour. And uh and I obviously every song I showed him, ta- taught him how to play, was a Beatles song. And um, he's he he said that um. He thinks that Revolver is uh Paul McCartney's prime vocally. Uh-huh. And how uh, like and For No One is just like perfect Paul. That's Paul it is absolute perfect perfection.
0: Yeah, that is uh, sometimes overlooked like great example of Paul's uh songwriting and performing. Like that is uh maybe mm-hmm. slightly underrated classic. Yeah, Yeah. that French horn, which apparently they gave the guy, uh, Alan Civil, they gave him very little guidance on what to do there, but ah, flawless. Wait, no, I
1: thought Paul had the melody in his head. (moran句) I I thought Paul knew
0: exactly. Yeah, yeah, Paul would like hum that. He's like, I want
1: this. And then they, because they were the Beatles, they could get any musician they wanted. And it was very rare for a French horn player to play that high. I think it's an F, like a high F. And that's what that melody demands for, and so they got just got they just got the best horn player in Britain to just
0: come in, and, and he could just are bust we that up. are we confusing this with Penny Lane? No, I thought it was for No One. Okay, yeah, we're we're playing uh, fast and loose here with with our trivia. <laughs> um, yeah, that it's for No One is like just beautifully executed example of like melancholy. Like that's just such a perfect, not over the top. Oh, Very it's, sad. it's just the right amount of sentimentality. This McCartney guy. He's got depth. He's not all Good Day Sunshine smiles and and laughter. He's not. Which I like Good Day Sunshine too. I don't know why that 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 song gets derision sometimes. I do. I do love it. Well, I mean, the piano sound. The
1: piano sound. Yeah, is and nice. it's just
0: it knows what it is. It's really if it was three or four minutes long, I'd. I, it knows what get annoyed it is. if it was longer, but it's just like, you know, yes. what's what's wrong with just it's a so perfectly short. innocent breezy. Uh, just like earnest, you know, love pop. I, I, I think it plays that role wonderfully.
1: Dude, these songs are so short, dude. Good Day Sunshine's two oh nine. Oh my, oh Andrew my Bird god, Andrew Bird can sing dude. two minutes. can sing That's as
0: two Because they're such simple songs, they're they're like, you know, they're childlike. They're childlike. You know what would be the point in in bloating it out another minute, dude? The longest song. It's so crazy.
1: Wow. Dude, I'm only sleeping, and love you too, and tomorrow never knows are all exactly three minutes long. <laughs> Nothing is over three minutes in this. In this yeah, hour. that
0: would it would be really strange if these songs were longer. My brain can't even wrap around like what that would do to the listening experience.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. The shortest song is two zero zero, and the longest song is yeah. three
0: zero zero. <laughs> I want to tell you, I dude. I really like. You. I want to tell you. Yeah, that that's an interesting I feel one. Hard and then that weird chord yeah which is uh an e7 with i think a uh, an f note on the top which just if if you know wow. music theory enough to try playing that for yourself Flat it's just second. it sounds like something's wrong but in a cool way yeah it's, it's cheaper, the, the sound different. of uh not does not compute <laughs>
1: I wonder who came up with the guitar harmonies and just the riff on Andrew bird can sing. I wonder if that was like a Harrison or a John.
0: Yeah. And your bird can swing. Yeah, that's that's one of the highlights for sure. Uh I think that might have been well it's it's dual harmonized lead guitar. So it's, yeah. it's, you know, you achieve yeah. that either by having like two people playing super tightly together or you achieve that by doing overdubs. Um, I, I, my guess would be that's Harrison doing his overdubs. This song's a party, yeah. dude. Well, then there's a great outtake. Everyone just showing up. There's a great outtake, <laughs> yeah, a great outtake uh, where uh, Lennon and McCartney are just cracking up and like can't even get through the song. Like they're just cracking up in the laughter halfway through. It's very endearing. I yeah. think
1: I've heard that. Yeah, so much spirit, so much spirit. I love "Gotta Get You Into My Life." I yeah. think Paul sounds amazing. I love the outro. Yeah, like, "Gotta Get You Into My Life." I yeah. was alone. I took a ride. I didn't know
0: what I was. Yeah, finding. he's doing his, his Stevie Wonder thing. Uh, I kind of I don't get into that aspect of this album as much because it's. All those moments where Paul McCartney's trying to sound like a black singer, and he does that again, especially on <laughs> "Let It Be." Like, so you you hear it, he's trying to sound like something else. Yeah, he's like, oh, I love that kind of music. I want to try to sing like that, Little Richard. Teach it, Little Richard. Like oh, darling, yeah, although or I do really like Little Oh, darling. Oh, darling, actually is kind of an exception to this, but you know, he's trying to do the Little Richard. Oh, you know, it, I don't. I don't need that from Paul as much. I like Paul when he's he does it
1: so well. How about Helter
0: Skelter? Yeah, that song is interesting for for different reasons to me. But see you again. Yeah, yeah. And then he he's sang with such Nirvana. A singer, dude. He's Paul McCartney sang Wait, with Nirvana. What? He wrote a song with Nirvana, and he's doing that that screaming thing. It's uh, right now. It, a few years ago, yeah. Like he did it with. You can look that up after. With with, Groll, it with Dave Broll and, and uh, what the other Nova guy Selick. Yeah. Um, and it kind of, it sounds like Nirvana. I mean, yeah, that's like, it's just, I feel it's, it's a personal opinion. I like Paul when he's, uh, quieter or he's doing something kind of stranger or in a melancholic or like off the wall goofy when when he's, when he's going for the R&B thing. Um, it sounds to me like I become too aware that he's, he's trying to achieve somebody else's sound and just put it through mm. his lens
1: i think my favorite paul song is like vocally as far as like dynamic like in tone like changes in tone within the same song is uh you never give me your money
0: yes he's i love how he sounds on that one yeah it's like that right amount of tenderness he, he sounds great on that yeah but yeah for no college one. money spent yeah i thought that was ringo for the longest good. time Yeah. I thought that was Ringo. Yeah, it the I think they must have recorded that take differently than the like the the sound of the vocals themselves. Uh really changes there. But um Yeah, yeah, man. Revolver, it's like I think if you picked one Beatles album to be like, This is why people care about the Beatles. I feel like Revolver is a pretty good example of Or
1: Rubber Soul. Or Yeah, eh, but
0: Rubber Soul doesn't capture. Rubber Soul is obviously still an amazing album, but it doesn't capture all the crazy experimentation and new ideas and the psychedelic bent and all the, the color.
1: It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't really have the psychedelia. in yeah. it. yeah.
0: It's it's a, hint. That's it's, a big part it's of It's hinting them. at that. It's like, oh, we.
1: Yeah, Nowhere Man, Nowhere Man, kind of hints at it. Norwegian, Norwegian Wood.
0: We can go in this new direction. We're starting to become more uh, deep. You know, there, there's more to us now. That rubber soul—it's
1: it's the threshold, dude. Revolver is the threshold.
0: Yeah, rubber soul announces that, and then revolver confirms it undeniably. And then Sergeant
1: Pepper is is already
0: in the psychedelic world. Yeah, and Sergeant Pepper is just full on. Like, okay, we're you know we're going to the stratosphere at this point. Uh, but they 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 get to space with revolver, and then maybe Sergeant Pepper's they leave the solar system, but they already leave the planet with revolver. Yeah and it's still again compared to Sgt. Pepper's you hear the band working cohesively and collaboratively way more like it still feels like a tight unit in revolver in revolver cuz yeah Sgt. Pepper is just
1: kind of Harrison's kind of checked kinda out kind
0: of just Paul egging everybody else yeah, on yeah, Harrison's you know? like checked out and Ringo is like just showing up for drums and God, I mean Ringo shines on what she, he said, really she does. said. And then Rain from oh, these yeah, same Rain. sessions, like that's the best ex- that's the best example of the kind of magic Ringo can do on, on drums, even if he's not technically the best player ever. Like that's really his signature flair is on those songs. It's just so crazy how young they still are at this point. Like
1: what Harrison's like twenty two yeah. or something, twenty three or twenty it's like
0: Maybe 23, 24. Yeah, they're all in their mid-20s. Nobody's in their late-20s yet. They're like 25. Um, they're like twenty. I guess Ring- Ringo barely. Uh, Is Ringo the oldest? Ringo's the oldest, yeah. Uh, what's your favorite song on the album? You already asked me that, man. I can't just pick one. You can't pick I, one? I, what I if you had you some- to pick one? Uh, if I had to pick one, I'd <laughs> pick a different album. Uh, this isn't the kind of album where I really hone in so much on one song because it's they're all so short that it's really about the whole experience and just this like hyper speed effect of this mood and then this thing and then we did this here like it's it just flies by and it's really that whole kind of almost cinematic experience of that 35 minutes versus like oh this one minutes. song is such a banger compared to all the others um what about gu- gun to your head what's your favorite song right now like today the song I wanna to listen to most right now, this minute might be Man. Just, I love nice. the, uh, like I said, that the bass and the kind of the sinister cynical nature of that I, I, I like uh, Harrison's Edge on that one. I mean, it just speaks to the quality of the album that I don't even wanna do that. I mean, you talk white album, the peaks and valleys are more apparent, like, oh, it kind of goes through a dip here. Oh, this is a really strong moment. Oh, like that's more of an up and down sort of experience. Um, this is just says so much as like a musical statement and i mean there's not really any o- other album that has such a crazy important place in in history in the history of Ugh. pop music and, and counterculture That's incredible and, 14 songs but then i must say i feel a little you know so much has been said about this album a million times by a million different people um and it's gotten so much attention I'm enjoying talking about it but then at the same time i'm like you know what what's what's to be achieved by digging so much um into this ancient album and all these songs that everybody knows it's like uh you know what what meat is left on the bones i mean again what do you think of the fact that we're so many so many years later the beatles take up so much of the limelight like it's just inspiring. It's inspiring that like you that you it can. Is, yeah. They
1: proved. I mean other other artists also have also proved it even from the 50s that Yeah. You like in 40s and 30s, you know, that like you can really make timeless music.
0: And I think music that can feel that timeless, I don't think had been quite this commercially successful before and just taken in by everybody because of how ridiculously famous these guys were at this time. And it's, that was actually you just touched on another thing, which is I came away from listening to this like I want to make music now. Like, oh yeah, I, like, I you know I, I go through peaks and valleys in terms of my motivation to like dig back in, dig back into the music software, get on the keyboard, and figure some ideas out. Yep. Um, listening to this, I'm like I want to go. Like hearing about these guys and how little they knew. Really, I mean this is just this is a bunch of crazy experiments that just worked. Well, they had the right of, team. The, the team and, but just also the raw talent and the, the, the willingness to just try stuff out, um, but still match it with impeccable songwriting. Like this is, this is one of the, the albums where I'm like, by the end of them, I'm like, All right, I wanna go I wanna get some new Niagara Moon stuff going. Like it really gave me that excitement. You know exactly. And even reading into the, the techniques and, and the behind the scenes of how they made it, it's, it, it's, it's great uh, motivation, great creative fuel. That I haven't yeah. had so much recently. Exactly. the uh, the other side of the coin, though, is like you know before COVID hit, he still had shows. Feels like every other goddamn local show that would be going on was Beatles tribute. Oh, how many times have you heard Beatles tribute? Yeah. Uh, and just the amount of times these albums have been re re released, remastered, talked about again, picked picked apart part again let's make another movie about the beatles Whew. whether it's love or yesterday it's like
1: i mean i can't wait to see the peter jackson one
0: get back that i actually did because because that's just raw footage of them that we've never been exposed to before that feels different that's not rehashing something that's like that's getting a new piece of the whole puzzle
1: it's like discovering something yeah it's like more unseen footage
0: yeah yeah that that i'm actually like i i'm okay with nerding out over that but I'm I'm in this weird place where it's like, you know, my own music. How many times have I either described it, or other other people have described it as Beatles-esque? You know, Niagara yeah. Moon. I borrow yeah, so much. I get from, that. So it's but it's like, are we? When are we going to be done talking about him? too when are when are when are we gonna have like room left over to to really celebrate other artists
1: i mean we haven't stopped talking about That's beethoven true. we haven't stopped talking about beethoven and bach and Mozart.
0: these are so there, there's something mind, about these yeah. guys where they're gonna have the same legacy forever yeah the same forever. just like just like beethoven staying power as, oh, yeah. As bach oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah so they're that level by mm-hmm. now oh yeah yeah
1: and it's not just wow. them. It's, it's because of the team, too. It's because of George Martin. It's because of Emmerich. It's because of everybody else. Epstein.
0: And it's, yeah. Ep- oh, Epstein. That's the name of the guy I couldn't remember earlier. Yeah. I mean, Epstein was a part of how they became such a runaway cultural yeah. sensation. I mean, these guys could have been working on a much more modest budget and modest acclaim. If the, the the movies, you know, the movies took off so much, and the, just the screaming fans, and it becoming such a cultural moment. I mean, yeah, it's all these pieces spinning together, all these different gears working together. So I, I I was I was I mean, the the music itself it speaks for itself. So I'm like, do I need to speak for it? But then it's it's also you know, this is the core of what I'm getting to. It's like it's such an influential part of what I do and my sounds and what I like. But then it just feels kind of overrepresented to the maybe the detriment of like future generations of pop musicians. So I'm like, where where do I sit with this? That's kind of something I was curious to explore with this episode. Wow. But Dude, Klaus
1: Vorman, um, sorry, Klaus Vorman paid bass for John in the seventies?
0: Klaus Vormann, a dear friend of the Beatles from their time in Germany. Uh, he played bass on many a Beatles solo album from, from all things must pass to imagine to, he, he was the go-to bass player for all the Beatles except Paul. Uh, and he did, he the did the cover, cover just for Revolver.
1: He got paid yeah. 40 euros for it and went on to win the Grammy for best album cover. It's such it's a good, such, such a, a good perfect
0: opinion. album cover. Yeah. Oh, my like, God, look at this. Heads are exploding. Dude, so
1: I saw a post that says, 20 things you didn't know about Revolver. There's a host of amazing but uncredited names singing backing vocals on Yellow Submarine, including Brian Jones from The Stones. Donovan. Yeah, Donovan, yeah they had a Donovan, party. Patty Boyd, mm-hmm. Mary Unfaithful.
0: Yeah, they had a little party in the studio. They're all friends. Wow. It's the swinging 60s. London, the center of and it the all. And the
1: Seagulls on Tomorrow Never Knows is not actual seagulls it's it, the, the the distorted sound of paul mccartney laughing to himself probably like reversed
0: <laughs> I, did, I didn't actually know that that's pretty cool wow
1: yeah they never played it live They because cause the song came out like within like a month of them play, being on tour still and they never they didn't play any song yeah
0: well, they're like, we don't need to play live anymore. We can't hear ourselves anyway. It's this unnecessary limitation. They didn't even that, try to play live. Yeah, that's we crazy. don't want a part of that anymore. They 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 moved on, and they knew they could, and they were excited to. Yeah, and that's what I love about them. And, so. and this is the first example of that mindset, which might explain par- partially why it's like you know feels so fresh and exciting. Wow. <sighs> well, I mean, it's the Beatles, so obviously we could go on for hours, but. Uh, for for brevity's sake, how, how would you sum up this album in three words? <laughs> um,
1: re- revolutionary. Uh, <laughs> I was going to use that one. <laughs> Innovative. Yeah, uh, revolutionary, uh, colorful,
0: and like, spiritful. I'm going to make up that word. Spiritful. Mm. Spiritful. Hey, if anything's spiritful, I think it's Tomorrow Never Knows, whatever they're going on about in that. Well, in place of revolutionary, I'm going to say groundbreaking. Yep. <laughs> Same thing, crisp, crisp, and playful. Nice.
1: She takes a walk. Da 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 da. The sun is shining uh, down. I love when he goes.
0: Burn my feet <laughs> as it's hits the grass. Yeah, yeah. Every moment, such it's full of such details and specific choices. Yeah. yeah. Dude um so if you haven't heard the album before definitely check Check it out definitely check it out 300 times yeah (laughs) um yeah it's like basically i knew it was inevitable that we were going to talk about the beatles uh the way that we've talked about a lot of a lot of other artists for this kind of like album book club format and really revolver feels like the most the most exciting one to take on yeah So it was was fun to really kind of explore our thoughts on it. It was a blast, dude. Yeah. Thanks for joining me. All right, we did it. We covered a whole Beatles album. Will we ever again? No idea. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much for listening. We're just about at the end of our time here. Next week, I believe I will be doing another entry in my little uh, Chatting with a Fan series. Going to be talking to real bonafide Moondog. All right, until next time, bye-bye.